Well, good morning. How's everyone doing? Good, good. It's an exciting time at Life Church, right? Well, this morning, um, I have a little something I want to share with you before I dig into the message. And so I felt like when some of my friends and I got together, we had some prayer time, and this word was sort of kind of dropped on my heart in that moment, and the Lord has continued to give it to me over and over and over. And it's this picture of a phoropter. What might that be, you ask? I will answer. It's a lens machine. Like if you're at an optometrist, you know, this one or this one, this one or this one. Y'all know what I'm talking about. So I felt like the Lord was saying, is your vision clear? Are you seeing the things that I want you to see? Are you disillusioned by the things of the world? Are things out of focus and fuzzy? Will you see me the way I'm intended to be seen? Second Kings 6 with Elisha and the servant. I was reminded of this story as he gave me that picture. And in that story, the servant sees the Syrians and they look like a great big old army come to take them over. Elisha says, Lord, open his eyes. And the servant's eyes were opened and he saw God's army chariots of fire lining up the hills. See, when it looks like we're surrounded, oh, we're surrounded by him. <laughs> Ephesians 1.18 says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart, my heart, be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. Open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart and let us see the way that you see. Give us the lens, the perfect lens created just for us, holy eyes. So often, Today's day and age, let's face it, I don't know what you guys have been through and you don't know what I've been through, but in the last couple of years, we've shared a circumstance. We've shared a story as a people. Fear might have crept in, hurt, unforgiveness, offense, shame. You can throw any word to what has happened to us because the enemy has had a field day with our emotions. And what's happened is we've lost sight of him. And what happens when our vision of him, of who he is and his glory and his righteousness, his holiness, we lose hope. We lose hope when our eyes are out of focus with him. God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for your goodness, that we can trust your word, that you are who you say you are, and that every victory is yours. 
God, today, if there's anyone in this room that needs to lay something down, Lord, I pray that they will lay it down at the cross and walk in all that you have for their future. We hold on to hope today, God, in Jesus' name, amen. And that's the title of today's message, Holding On to Hope. Webster's defines hope as something we can trust, we expect with confidence, and to cherish with anticipation. So anticipation, expectation, and trust. That's what Webster's tells us. We're going to read an entire chapter this morning. But before I do, I would like to give a little preface to the chapter before it. We're going to read out of Joshua. The name Joshua in Hebrew means Yehoshua, or that's how it's pronounced, and it means God is my deliverer. God, my deliverance. Moses has passed away and Joshua is the leader of the Israelites at this time. And throughout Joshua 1, God tells him, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. God does nothing in vain. He was preparing Joshua's heart for what was to come. So today, we're going to read out of Joshua 2, and we're going to read the whole thing. So stay with me. There's some really good stuff in there if you hadn't read it in a while. Joshua 2. Joshua secretly sent two spies. Go look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of the prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent the message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. But the woman had taken the two men and hidden them. She said, yes. She said, yes. The men have come. But I did not know where they had come from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after them quickly. You may catch up with them. But she had taken them up to the roof and hidden them under stalks of flask. She laid out on the roof. I'm going to point out, she did this before anything was given to her. She made a yes. So the men set out in pursuit of the spies on the road that leads to the fords of the Jordan. And as soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof. She said to them, I know that the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us, on us in Jericho, a great fear so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt and what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. We have heard it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed not the Israelites' courage, 
because God's already preparing a way. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. She's claiming him. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and mother and brothers and sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. Our lives for your lives, the men assured her. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us this land. When the Lord gives us this land. So she let them down by a rope through the window for the house she lived in was part of the city wall. That's significant right there. The house that she lived in was part of the city wall of Jericho. She said to them, go to the hills so the pursuers will not find you. Hide yourselves there for three days until they return and then go on your way. Now the men said to her, this oath you made us swear will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied the scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought your father and mother and brothers and all your family into your house, if any of them go outside of your house into the street, their blood will be on their own heads. We will not be responsible. As for those who are in the house with you, their blood will be on our head if a hand is laid on them. But if you tell what we are doing, we will be released from the oath. You made us swear. Agreed, she replied, let it be as you say. So she sent them down and they departed and she tied the scarlet cord in the window. When they left, they went into the hills and stayed there three days until the pursuers had searched all along the road and returned without finding them. Then the two men started back. They went down out of the hills, forded the river and came to Joshua, son of Nun, and told him everything that had happened. They said to Joshua, the Lord has surely given the whole land into our hands. All the people are melting in fear because of us. The Hebrew word for hope is tikva. Tikva means a cord, an expectation, and a hope. This is the first occurrence in all of the Bible of that word in the story of Rahab, a prostitute. The Hebrew root kava means to bind together and to expect. So often in the English language, hope can be an abstract word, right? Like, I hope that that happens or I, I hope that, you know, she does this or I hope that he wins that. God's telling us that hope is something we can hold on to. That scarlet cord was hope, hope offered through a window, a sure sign of deliverance. There's a picture here, this is about 
there's not a lot online, you know, so this is the best I could get. So I just wanted to do it really quickly as an imagery though. When you see all this and Rahab's up there with the spies, but this cord hanging over the city wall as a sign of hope, hope offered, hope received. Hope is rooted in waiting and waiting with expectation. What happens in the waiting? Well, the men had to wait, didn't they? They had to wait for three days before they went back to Joshua so they weren't found because their pursuers were going on an expedition to find them. Three days. The number three represents wholeness. Jesus was in the tomb for three days. Wholeness is our portion. Nothing lacking, nothing divided, nothing damaged. It's made whole. God's timing is beautiful. Psalm 5.3, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my request before you and I wait expectantly. I put my hope in you, God. I lay them there and then I hope and I wait and I cling to it knowing that you hear me and that you see me and that you know me. Psalm 130, verse five, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits and in his word, I put my hope. Psalm 33, 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In the waiting, we are made whole as we hold on to hope. There are three things that I felt the Lord place on my heart in talking about hope. Now there are endless amounts of things you could talk about when talking about hope. But these three things we're gonna land on today. Number one, hope restores. It brings it back. There's a bringing back that God wants to do in us. This one or this one, this one or this one. How do I see you, God? Is my gaze fixed? My eyes locked on everything that you want me to see. I want to see nothing of the world. I want to see you. Where do you have my next step? Because I'm walking in that. When we let go of hope, we know Proverbs 13, hope deferred makes the heart sick. That is a real, true, desperate place when we let go of hope. It indeed makes the heart sick. Has anyone in here been praying for something and waiting and waiting and I'm praying and I'm believing? Give me the desires of my heart, God. I'm leaning in to all that you have. I believe your word. I trust you. Why? Why won't you give me this? And we begin to believe the lies of the enemy, that he's not good enough. He doesn't love you enough. You're not worthy enough. All the places that the enemy would love to weigh us down. And when that happens, offense takes root. 
and offense leads to bitterness. Bitterness leads to rebellion. And 1 Samuel 5 says that God says, rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. No, thank you. I want no part of that. Offense to bitterness, to rebellion, to witchcraft. No. When we change how we see God and say, I trust you, God. I trust you. I don't know why, but I know that your ways are bigger and higher than my ways. Your plan for me is more than I could ask, think, or imagine. So I put my hope in you. Restore me back to yourself, God. Who you are and who you say I am. Do you think that Rahab's heart was sick? Do you think that her hope was deferred? How could it not be? How could it not be? Sure, she was hurt, her identity stolen. She believed the things that people said about her, not the things that God said about her. She bought the lie. Sure, her heart was sick. Psalm 42.5 says this, David writes, Why my soul are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. For I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Sometimes we have to proclaim to our own souls. Rise up, soul. Put your hope exactly where it belongs. Praise your way to break through if you have to, but trust that he is your savior and your God and I will fix my eyes and I will not be out of focus. I will trust in who you say you are. And I put my hope in you, God. I read this quote as I was preparing and I just thought it too beautiful not to read. So if you lose hope, somehow you lose the vitality that keeps life moving. You lose that courage to be, that quality that keeps or helps you to go on in spite of it all. And so today, I still have a dream. Dr. King, if we lose hope, if we lose hope, it changes the game. We've bought the lie. We do this. We're fuzzy. I don't, I don't know which one it is anymore, God. But Romans 5.5 5 says, hope does not disappoint. So your feelings may, your circumstances may, but hope, it cannot. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Even in your most intense moment of your entire life. Jesus is with you. Isaiah 41.10 reads this, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. That's who he is. Because of the authority of Jesus, because of his death on a cross and the resurrection and his name upon us, we can stand in the midst of any circumstance and we can trust that hope restores.
That is our portion. We do not have to look like what we've been through. That is not our portion. Restoration is. As he's pulling us back into his heart, hiding us here, saying, you've got this. You're beautiful. You're amazing. You just forgot who you were for a minute. Hope redefines. In Rahab's case, you know, you hear often like the unlikely to the likely, the likely to the unlikely. I believe in Rahab's case that this is a likely story to the unlikely. It's unfortunate, but we know Rahab's profession. The word says it clearly. She was a prostitute, a harlot. It would not have been uncommon for men to frequent her home. It would have not been unusual or a real standout thing that two spies, two Israelites came into her home. It would have been two men. But God says, hey Rahab, I see you and I'm getting ready to change everything in your life. You're getting ready to do the unlikely. Not the story that's been told about you and for you and declared over who you are. I'm getting ready to change the game, Rahab. I see you. I love you. And I am redefining everything. See, Rahab made a choice to see hope. She also made a choice to allow God to rewrite her story. So often we become wrapped up in what we think our identity is, what the world might throw at us, even our position amongst peers or whatever. But God, God is the only one who can define us and set our identity in motion and know that we have been made whole. The scarlet cord, let's talk about that. This emblem of the ill repute is a sign of salvation. See the word scarlet has two meanings in scripture, sin and royalty. I mean, isn't that who Jesus is? I see you in your sin, in the mess. But guess what? Lift your eyes, daughter and son. I am crowning you. Just say yes to me. I am crowning you, daughter and son of the king. You are now royal. From sinner to royalty. Scarlet cord. Because we can hold on to hope. It's a beautiful picture, the scarlet cord. It represents the covenant of God's grace that binds us to hope. It's this beautiful picture. There is nothing in scripture that wasn't meant to be there. 
(laughs) The first mention of hope. The first mention of hope. In a story about a prostitute in the world, sinner. To a savior whose blood poured out for you and I the hope of mankind so that we could have relationship with him and know him intimately. See, Jesus isn't mocking her past or her profession or her identity. He's redefining it. He's using her past to redefine her future. And her future is hope. Psalm 52.9, I will hope in your name for your name is good. He can do anything with anyone, anywhere. He destroys the limitations of this world. There is nothing that another person or that the enemy can put on you that God can't shatter by his very breath. Fix our eyes on who he is again. Be in awe of him. Number three, hope redeems. That picture of this scarlet cord falling down the wall. I don't know about you, but it's almost overwhelming to my heart. Because then as the blood flowed years and years and years later, This is the moment that Jesus said, I'm showing the world hope. Tikva, you can hold on to it. You can grab it and not let it go. It saves and it loves and it sees. Isaiah 1 says, though your sins be as scarlet, they will be white as snow. That wall, that wall, we know that the word tells us that Rahab's house was part of the city wall. Imagine Joshua 6. They're walking that thing, right? Y'all know how it goes. And they do all their... That wall comes crashing down. (sighs) Not the part with the scarlet cord. It goes nowhere. Because hope stood. In the middle of it all, in the middle of whatever comes against us, hope stands. Have an expectation And trust him that he knows every detail of your heart and is aligned with that. Hope stood. Then we see the same delivery of a cross, of a people saved. You and I brought in to a place of relationship in communion with our Savior 
as that scarlet fell. He brought us into a delivery from death to life, from bound to free, from hopeless to hopeful. He's restoring and redefining and redeeming. And the lineage of that hope held accord through the generations. Joshua 6, verses 22 through 25 tell us, Rahab and her family were gathered up. They were safe and they were able to live with the Israelites all the days of their lives. God rewrote Rahab's story in a moment that she said, yes, I will offer hope. Matthew 1 tells us Rahab beget Boaz, who beget Obed, who beget Jesse, who beget David, who is the very lineage of Jesus, our savior, the hope of mankind. <sighs> hope to hope, glory to glory. That's who our God is. He rewrote her story. One decision changed everything. Hebrews 11 says this, by faith, Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, the prostitute Rahab, because she welcomed the spies, was not killed with those who were disobedient. Now, Hebrews 11 is a by faith chapter. It's by faith, by faith, by faith. All these different people from the Old Testament, Rahab didn't have to be named there, but she was. As a reminder to us that what she did changed everything in her life. By faith, she offered hope. Psalm 25, five says this, guide me in your truth and teach me for you are my savior, my God, and my hope is in you all the day long. Isaiah 40, 31, but those who hope on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary and they will walk and not faint. Hope is alive. In a world where the enemy has asked us to take a second look at deception. Is it, is it clear? Grip hold of confusion and fear like it is our job. I'm here to tell you that we can trust this. It will not lie to us. He cannot lie to us. And no matter our feelings, no matter if we're swayed this way or this way or this way or this way, no matter, this is what we come back to every time. This is what restores, redefines and redeems. This is our hope. The enemy can't keep us out of focus, not one more day, 
because we're going to hold on to hope. We're going to grab our tikva and we're not going to let it go. Galatians 5, 5. For through the spirit, we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. 1 Thessalonians 5, 8. Since we belong to the day, to the light, let us be sober, clear-minded, putting on the faith and love as a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. Faith, hope, and love. We sang about the cross having the final word where hope is alive and death is dead. Romans 6 in the message version reads this. If we get included in Christ's sin-conquering death, we also get included in his life-saving resurrection. We know that when Jesus was raised from the dead, it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the final word. That's our hope. The hope held out in the gospel. As I close, Psalm 103. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. The thread of redemption, the thread of who he is all throughout his word. He forgives all of our sins. <laughs> and he crowns us. He crowns us. We are royal. Do not forget who you are. Though, though we may have stood in this place, oh, today, I choose to be crowned with love and compassion. God, only God, can make a different way for us. Only he can restore, redefine, and redeem. Only him. Hope was offered by one because of the one. Today, if you have lost sight of hope, I want to pray a special prayer for us to see him again. And today, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, then let your today be yes. Hope in him, knowing that he loves you, that we are separated by sin, but he, he died on a cross for us to make the choice to accept him, to receive him, and to walk, to walk with the crown, sons and daughters of the King. So today, if you're here and you've lost a handle on hope, I don't even know where hope is. It's not, I can't even find it. Then we're gonna pray. Receive, 
Know that hope is your portion. Know that he's calling you stronger and that victory is yours. Where you may have been a victim, oh, you are victorious through the Lord. So God, we lay any feelings of hopelessness, we lay those before you now. We wanna lift up, God, every place that you have for us, strength, power, courage, understanding that our victory is because of you and by you, and we have the authority to walk in that. Let us pick up our hope today, God. Let us trust in your word and let us know that you see us right where we are. Let us, God, today hold on to hope as you restore, redefine, and redeem. In Jesus' name, and with every head still bowed, if there is someone in this room who's like, I, don't, I have never started a walk with Jesus and I want that today. I wanna say my yes today for him. And if you will, right where you sit, just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We're gonna say this together. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I confess my sins to you and I invite you into my life. I choose to live for you and to trust your word. Thank you for restoring, redefining, and redeeming me today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.